You're listening to Faith by Hearing with Dave Delaney, Christian conversations about faith, family, and friends. He's like, oh, you hit me in the eye. You all right, buddy? That hurt. I'm sure it did, you know. I was just joking with you. Then Wednesday night for service, they show up, and Elizabeth's like, hey, get the cart. We're going to get some of these baked goods out to sell for the eighth grade class. And as I'm moving stuff out of the car, he comes up and says, ha! And he punches me right in the eye, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And he gave me a shiner. (laughs) And I grabbed one of the brownies that's on top of the thing, and I threw it at him, bro. I miss. He literally gave me a bump in the eye. Yeah, I threw a brownie. I would have grabbed the whole thing and threw it at him, bro. The whole That was totally unexpected. He actually gave me a shiner up here, man. He was waiting for that revenge. Oh, he was waiting, bro. He came. I just seen the little fist coming at me. Doom! And I'm like, whoa! Last night, our kid got hurt for the first time that my wife thought was a big deal and I thought wasn't a big deal, which seems to happen a lot with dads and moms. But I have my dog in the back seat. We took a little mini road trip a couple hours away. And uh, we stopped at this bank because I had to go to the ATM. And... Um, I let the dog out while I'm using the ATM. But when I call the dog out of my truck, she's in the ba- she's kind of cornered behind the car seat in the back seat. So I don't I don't think about it. I just call her. She jumps over the car seat. And when she does, her she planted her paw on the car seat and it was next to the baby's head. And Allison said she stepped on the baby's head. <laughs> when she w- when she went to climb over, she was like looking for a way to get over and she did put her paw on the baby. But I moved it and then she jumped over. So I was like, she stepped on her head. And I look at the baby, and she's sitting there, just looking up at the roof. I'm like, I think she's fine. She's like, she stepped right on her head. So that's not as funny of a story as yours, but it I thought the it. baby fell off the bed or something. No. no. See, you would think, <laughs> from the reaction, you would think she fell off We already off had the a bed. couple falls. Really? Yeah. No, nah, we're, uh, we're still, we still kind of have maybe. that hyper-careful mode, you know. It's our first, so. You gotta wait till they move around a little more. Yeah. When Sean goes to school and tells his teacher, "My dad hit me in the eye," and then threw a brownie at me. <laughs> that was till later on. What's the obligation of the teacher at that point? Oh, Sean! Are they following joking. the protocols that we teach? <laughs> oh, Sean! He was just joking. <laughs> Here, let me stitch that back up for you. Well, welcome to Faith by Hearing Podcast, an authentic conversation about faith, family, and friends, and we're glad that you're listening today. We are in studio with the one and the only, is it a guest appearance at this point? No. He would be a... Dun, uh, dun, dun. The one, the only, Sal Bustios. Bustillo. Good morning, America. How are we doing today? <laughs> Good morning, all 97 Americans out there in one... <laughs> One Swiss. Thousand studio by popular demand. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I, I was actually told, hey, they said, Dave, listen, we don't care if Evan's there or if Derek's there or really even if you're there, but give the people what they want. Give us Sal Bustillo. You're making me blush. You're making me blush. <laughs> he said the, the podcast should actually, the three of us should be taken out of the podcast and just Sal put on it. Yeah, we don't want that, man. The people don't want that. That's, I'm the telling you what they tell that. me. Wow. Bustillo's Comedy Hour. Look at that, dude. Look at you, Sal. Big deal, Sal Bustillo's. The man. Well, Evan, we got uh, we got any mail this week? We asked. Really, I asked. 
He didn't ask. You begged. I, I begged slash demanded. <laughs> no, I, I felt a smack over the phone. Literally, man. I was, I was listening to it on the truck and I was like, "Patoom!" And I'm like, well, I got to give some mail, man. This guy, he really, he let the people have it. And did you give some mail, sir? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to give mail. He showed up today. We'll count it. I'll mail it later out later on. The, uh, the people answered. The people answered. We got the first one from Chip Faulkner who writes... Dear Faith by Hearing, below are my independent hear. thoughts about the episode. Evan talks too much. Oh, Thanks, Chip Faulkner. Ouch. I think that's just uh, one response to my adamant pleas for more mail. I'll take it, though. It's mail, right? It's, uh, it's mail. No press is bad Hold press. Hold on. Let's back up on that. Do we feel like you talk too much? That's. I don't think I can answer that unbiased, so <laughs> I'll, I'll defer to this council. Let's go to that. let's go to Sal and Derek on this. I don't think he talks enough. Thank you, Sal. I think we should go back to the conversation we were having earlier. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I got kind of a funny story right now. I'm actually okay. getting a phone call right now from Lena's Donuts. Okay. <laughs> you are getting a phone call. For those who are listening, he actually did get that phone call. Very few of us in our lives have called a donut shop. Even more few of us have received a call. From a donut Okay, shop. what is Lena's Donuts calling you about? What did you have to do to get put on their call list? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. Tell us. Because you did have to do something. I did something. <laughs> what did Five you do? dozens worth of something. <laughs> oh, my word. What did you do? So this morning, we're leaving the house. Like I said, my, ki- my wife and kid, they're doing this fundraiser for their eighth grade promotion trip. And um, she says, go get the donuts. I said, I don't have cash. She's, oh boy. So, you know, I'm trying to be a good husband. So I'm like, let me call the donut shop out the street. So I call Lena's donut shop and I say, hey, do you guys take card? They say, yeah. I said, good. Get five dozens of donuts ready. I'm picking them up right now. <laughs> I show up and I see the price and I was like, oh, give me two single donuts right there. I'll take those to go. <laughs> so me and my child, I'm not going to incriminate the child that was with me. Okay. Sophia. So um, <laughs> we're going you down called to the donut store and had them make you five dozen donuts. No, I asked them if they had five dozen ready. They said yes. I said, get them ready. I'm coming in hot. <laughs> I see the price and I cooled down real quick. I said, so now Lena's has been calling me all morning. <laughs> How much were they? They were two twenty-five. Per donut? Uh, per dozen of donut holes. Now we get them for $1.50. Okay, come on, bro. That's a dollar. I thought you were going to say it was like 20 bucks a dozen for the donuts or something. Sal. My wife told me. If you're <laughs> listen, if you're listening and you want to help Sal, you can send Yes. You can send a dollar twenty-five because apparently that's like the limit that we will not go past okay, listen, for these boss, donuts to help Sal get these donuts. I would have ate the two twenty-five. I would have <laughs> ate it. Okay. But it's not for me. And the people you gotta give the people what they want, right? That's true. That's true. That's why you're here right now. Exactly. And people want cheaper donuts than that. <laughs> well, the, for sure the four or eighth graders do. Oh, I see. It was for resale. Profit. So if they, that makes more sense. There we go. It would have crushed the margins. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm with you now. I thought it was just like, ah, I don't love them that much. So now I'm going to redirect them to Derek. So that, It uh, does feel a little bit better that it was donut holes and not actual donut. They already had the donuts, man. I mean, yeah. We, they already I still had bought them, donuts. I, they didn't go. I just didn't tell them I was the five dozen man. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ah. Yeah. Pranked again. <laughs> 
Gosh, Sal, we are 10 minutes into this episode, and I'm already so glad you're here. <laughs> Lena's Donut Shop. We should stop are the donuts good, though? Yeah, they were bomb. You know, the crazy thing about donuts is they've started doing weird things to donuts. Like, they started, like, putting, you know, Lucky Charms on top of donuts and I think Fruit that Loops on top bacon? of donuts. Who does that? Dude, I mean, bacon hey, and the donut? ma- don't, That's bomb, huh? The maple bacon ones. Are it's bomb. I don't know what I'd think about that. Yeah. You changed your tune real quick. You went, who does that? They're bomb. <laughs> well, I'm trying to go along with him, but I'm like, who does not agree with having a donut and crumble cinnamon toast crunch on it? It's kind of a you theme. You like that? Bro, it's the taste you can see. <laughs> it's kind of a theme that's kind of taken over like food in general. You know, you go to those shake shops that put like a whole candy bar and a s'more on a skewer in the top of your shake. A candy bar and ice cream, I feel like, is like normal, but we're just adding food on top of food. Right yeah, now. that's yeah. Everywhere, I agree with that. You like? Yeah, it? I agree with it too. You, I, you like the? I'm here for it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. See, when you bite into a donut, a donut's supposed to be soft. Then you got these like hard, like Lucky Charms on top of it, and it's just, I don't know. For me, my my mouth is confused when I'm when I'm eating that. So, mm. you yeah. like them, Derek? No, I'm I'm I like the plain stuff. I like. Vanilla ice cream with a little bit of an accessory. If you want to add some Butterfinger in there, whoa, perfect. Whoa. If you want to add, get wild, but if you add more than one or two things, it's yeah, it ruins it. Yeah, I, I agree. This I, I think I agree with the same. Uh, I don't think they're my number one choice to order them. What? Like the crazy donuts? Yeah, the crazy donuts. I don't. Oh man, it was that mayo that? By the way, I like that. Song. Was that was that Chip Faulkner's fault? No, nah, look, Chip. I love Chip. I have previous experience with Chip before the Who podcast. Who is Chip? Chip's a friend of mine from college. Okay. Yeah, it's not like just some random dude writing in to knock me. He he knows me. Okay, okay. He's a cool guy. Uh, Taylor Goodwin writes in. He says, hopefully this, this mail can provide some entertainment. I appreciate all the work y'all put into the podcast. It's an encouragement. I look forward to each episode. I have a question for each of you. Ooch. Each March in our team group, we have a March Madness bracket of a certain food category. The teens fill it out. We take the top three choices and have those in Sunday school the last Sunday of March. For example, the first year we did cereal. Last year was Little Debbie Snack Cakes. This year was Pop-Tarts. The three most popular Pop-Tarts were Hot Fudge Sunday, Let's go. Cookies and Cream, and S'mores. Ooh. I feel like they are dialed. Yeah. I would maybe swap in brown sugar cinnamon, but they're, yeah. pr- they're pretty close. They're all the strawberry and the blueberry. Nah, ones. fruit no? Pop-Tarts are trash. No way. I like them. Really? Yeah. He anyways, he writes on. Inquiring minds are interested. Are you three Pop Tart fans? Oh, and if so, what are you guys' favorite Pop Tarts? First, I I'm offended that you even have to ask if we're Pop Tart fans. I feel like we've made this extremely clear from the pulpit. I don't know if in the, I don't know if it's come up in the podcast yet. I think he mentioned literally. I got a story about the Pop Tart deal. So, first of all, a big thank you to Taylor for yeah. sending it in. Appreciate the mail, Taylor. And a great question. He's about to be a new dad, by the way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. About to be a new dad. You're going to love it. Yeah. I mean, you're going to hate not sleeping, but you're going to love the rest. <laughs> and you definitely need to get your kid on Pop-Tarts for sure. Yeah. So Talk, they want to know They want to know what kind of Pop-Tarts we like. That's what they want, Evan? Yeah. Are, are okay. we Pop-Tart fans? Oh. What, so I'll speak here. Anytime that Pastor is referencing heaven from the pulpit. <laughs> Manna. He always said, or manna, he always says, oh, once we get to heaven, 
there's just going to be In-N-Out burgers and Pop-Tarts. Yeah, for or sure. he says manna, which I think was In-N-Out burgers and Pop-Tarts. You can, it's not, you can't find any place in the Bible that says it's not Pop-Tarts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, think about it. It does not say manna was not Pop-Tarts. I am hot fudge Sunday all day. Yes. That's the best one, hot fudge Sunday. And if you put that thing in the toaster. Okay, so if you if you want to go if you want to go fruit, the best fruit pop tart available is the wild berry. You had wild berry? No. Oh yeah, that wild berry one is that's where it's at. I don't really eat pop tarts like that. What? No, but hold on, I don't dislike them. I just don't. Yeah. Buy them. Yeah, I get like, that. That's not my. But if I see them, I'll eat them. You always got a pop tart always. in your office. Yeah, always. Hey, do you remember we went to camp, and these people <laughs> decided they were going to give you a big box of pop tarts? Like the Costco it, box? Yes. Yeah. No, dude, it was a big brown box. Yes. Like, and I'm like, what are we going to do with all these Pop-Tarts? Like, he's going to even eat sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere we stopped, was like, no, no. No, I'm joking. He, st- he ate. But but we had Pop-Tarts stuffed in every crevice <laughs> of that van, <laughs> that SUV when we were driving. That was Arizona. Yes. Yeah, bro, I remember I'm that. Open up the console, and there was like two boxes of Pop-Tarts. I'm like... So I started throwing them out the window. It was like a UP, it was like a UPS box. This box is massive. Wow. So Sal says this can't fit in the trunk. Yes. I'm like Sal, you got to make it fit, dude. I, I mean, we're not leaving this in the room. They'll know that we left the gift they gave me, I and was I'm just not trying to throw it on top. Literally, I'm not it didn't fit, man. So it Sal fit. opens the box up. And takes out the individual packages of Pop-Tarts and starts stuffing them in all kinds of corners of the car. I promise you when we returned that car to Enterprise, they found Pop-Tarts in there somewhere. All day. I said, what'd you do with the Pop-Tarts? He goes, don't worry about it. He got his Pop-Tart fix. What's your favorite Pop-Tart, Derek? Blueberry probably is the only wow, one that I, that I would choose to eat. Really? Yeah. Now, do you uh, dump it in milk when you when you do that? No, man. This no, whole episode's been about food. Do we? Do you toast it or do you just eat them like that? I could do it either way. Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, you toast it every time. But that's kind of the whole idea of a pop tart. Is it something you just grab when you're running late? So I don't toast them every time, but that's ideal. All right, great question, by the way. Yeah, did we all answer what our favorite one was? I like strawberry. Okay, no strawberry. All right, and then. Kenda Ely writes in with oh, the. She's uh, a fan of Sal too. She, she's a big Sal. Sal fan. actually got he actually got posted on that. Yeah. Wow, yeah. he's gangster. <laughs> Can't see me with the uh, subject line "Hi, lonely male boy." <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Very sympathetic response to my uh, fit I threw on the last episode. We all know that the vessel she's referring to, uh, Derek and mine's boat, is actually named. But I'll keep that on the DL since it seems to be a contested matter. Forget my two cents. Here's my 50 cents on the podcast. Let's go. You all do a great job balancing comedy, real talk, and spiritual insight. It's entertaining but also edifying. I'd love to hear some female guests on the podcast, like perhaps the ever-wise Amanda Delaney. Yes. The rarely silent Jillian Wilkerson. (laughs) Also true. And the always adorable, even though I've never met her, Allison Schofield. Oh, nice. Best regards, your Midwest fan, Kenda Ely. Thank you, Kenda. I'm not for sure that the world is ready for our wives on the podcast. (laughs) I told Kenda when I responded to that mail, we talked about doing a wives episode before. I don't know. I don't think there's a reason we didn't. It it would be fun. Whenever that happens, we have to not be in the room. 
What? Yeah, no. <laughs> we have to just completely surrender. So they just take it over. They just for take an over an entire episode. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that scares me. <laughs> Which one scares you? Yes. Yeah. All Good of answer. Them. <laughs> Derek will come in, get the equipment turned on, and then just like we just leave. Oh, I don't. Oh. That sounds less fun to me. <laughs> I like this one. I like this idea. That's a great recommendation, Kenda. Wives take over. We'll have to do it soon. Mm. And then we have Elise Newton as well as my friend Micah MacArthur both wrote in to tell us that the name of Gilligan's boat was the SS Minnow, which is fitting to come from Micah because I think the only time I've ever watched Gilligan's Island in my life was at his house as a kid. He was a big, really? he was a big Gilligan's Island fan. What did you grow up watching? Uh, I wasn't, a I wasn't a huge TV kid, honestly. I grew up like outside watching frogs eat grasshoppers. <laughs> you seen Gilligan's Island, so? I don't think so. Yeah. So I, any you need to I go back and it. watch that with your kids. They'll laugh. There. Salvador watches the uh, El Chavo. <laughs> <laughs> If, if you know what that's a reference to, please write in and tell the rest of us. That's El Chavo de Locho. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Derek, you got you to gotta riddle me this for us today? I got a quick and easy one for okay. you. Okay, here oh, we go. Great. If he says that, that means it's not. You easy. may already know this one by how easy it is. Oh, boy. He's setting us up. Yeah. This is set up. He just wants our hopes to rise. I know. So he can dash them. I, I think, am, he, I think he only <laughs> likes asking these just to like stump us i'm 70 percent sure at least one of you already know this one okay did, did anybody ever send Derek a riddle i've i've gotten no riddles yet but okay. you know what the mailbox is so full i'm not gonna rant about that just send her send a riddle if you'd like yeah yeah i like this new you yeah yes this is good all right here we go first and only riddle the more you take away from me the bigger i get what am i the more you take away from me the bigger i get what am I? Oh no, that doesn't work with the first line. Take that. Don't don't put that in the final cut. <laughs> don't make me look dumb. I know There's the a answer bit of to this. You do? I forgot it. You know oh, you have heard it? Yeah. So now I'm back to square one. The more. <laughs> <laughs> the I was more the kind of kid that when your dad asked you, like, "Are you supposed to be doing that?" I would just sit there and be like, "I don't. I don't. I don't know." <laughs> Is there a right answer here? Is there a wrong answer here? I'm the kid that would just stare and they'd be like, don't look at me like that. That's why I'm with riddles. I feel so lost right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm on, on, the, on the boat, Midwest or whatever it is, mid-go. And I'm just looking all directions. All I see is water right now. And I'm like, uh-oh. The bigger I get. What is it? The more you take, the bigger I get. The more I you get. take away from me, the bigger I get. That's me where my kids take my money. The more my anger goes, why do you need so much money? So your answer is anger. My anger. Your anger. anger. Okay. What do you got, Evan? Not much. I have one action that could give a huge hint. Okay. Like a like a demonstration? Like just like one hand motion that'll Okay. So go ahead, show us it. The more you take away from me, the he's, bigger I get. He's scooping his hand. Mm. He scooped his hand. Like I water. remember the answer. What is it? You are, you know the answer now? The answer is... Is... My anger. <laughs> <laughs> what? Come on, guys. He told you what the answer was. Think about it. The 
He scooped his hand from me. Just do that closer to the ground. A hole. Ouch! He's coming in hot. Wow. A hole. Did you know the answer, Sal? Yes, sir. I told you the answer. (laughs) My anger. (laughs) I'm still going with my anger, man, all right? I hate it when it takes for me. Those kids are always trying to take something. Hey, make sure they listen to this podcast. Well, speaking about taking something, all right? Ooh. Look at that segue. Set it up, boy. <laughs> the lesson today is stop giving away your joy. John chapter 16, verse 22. Here's what Jesus says. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. So Jesus in this part of John is preparing his disciples for his eventual death, of course, his resurrection, and then his departure from this world, his his physical presence going to heaven, and the disciples being filled with the Spirit. And Jesus acknowledges in this passage that the disciples are going to experience sorrow and grief, But Jesus is also giving to them hope and this reassurance. And he promises them that they'll see him again. But here's here's what he's, he's reminding them of. He's reminding them that he is giving them a joy that cannot be taken away. So joy is not Christian joy. Biblical joy is not dependent on external circumstances. Christian joy is rooted in the relationship with Jesus Christ. And in fact, there's... There's no circumstances that can force you to take away your joy. You you have to choose to give it away. This is what he says. No man taketh from you. And he's talking there about your joy. Your joy, no man taketh from you. So when somebody cuts you off in traffic and you get angry, Sal. No, sir, not me. Yes, you do. Maybe a little bit. When you get angry... You're giving away your joy. Somebody ignores you. They leave you out of a meeting. They treat you poorly. They're, they're, they're uh, attempting to take away your joy. But Jesus says, no man can take your joy from you. What, what it's forcing you and I to do is to give up our joy. So he, this, is, this is where it meets for us as Christians, I think. And I think this is helpful for us as um, just you know everyday believers This does not mean that you are in complete control of your happiness, your joy. What it means is it means that the Lord has provided joy to us through his spirit and we are his and what the Holy Spirit produces in us understood in Galatians chapter five is the fruit of the spirit. What he produces in us is joy. So if his spirit is in us, we can't lose his spirit then this joy is being produced in our life and no man can take it from us. So I want to just talk at the end of this podcast today about some practical ways to keep your joy in this life. And I'm going to start here. And that is we keep our joy by cultivating a relationship with God. The primary way that we keep joy in this life, regardless of our circumstances, is that we cultivate a relationship with God. So what are, maybe from you guys, what are some practical ways that we cultivate relationship? Maybe tell me some things you do that might be an encouragement to our listeners, some practical ways to cultivate relationship with God. 
I think what has tripped me up more in my life and my relationship with God than anything is consistency. It's just like any other relationship. I think all of us here in the room, as well as listening, have had times in our lives where we were really excited and motivated to cultivate a, a deeper and a more meaningful relationship with God. And carrying the commitment to that relationship through when you no longer have that motivation is probably what gets in more of our way than anything else. Just the determination to commit yourself to whatever that looks like in your day, 10 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes of prayer at lunchtime, opening your Bible before you go to sleep, that keeping that consistency on days when the motivation is not consistent, it probably has gotten in my way more times than anything else. And really that's the key. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the, I think a lot of folks struggle with consistency in their relationship with the Lord, but we also have these like really high highs, but then we have these really low lows and the, the balance in the Christian life is, is actually not living on the high. Mm. It's not, living in the low, it's staying right in the middle. And this consistency of day by day, step by step, little at a time. And when we find that consistency, this, this relationship with the Lord is, is uh, strengthened for sure. I think um, setting your mind to Satan, certain things are not going to bother you throughout the day. Mm -hmm. You know, like I give my experience about it. I go to the port, I'm waiting. And if I get a line, Oh my goodness, there's a line. Right. And it's going to slow my day down. Or if you're in traffic, you pre tell yourself, this is going to bother me. This really irks me. And you already set yourself up to give away your joy because you're telling yourself ahead of time, I don't like going through this. And what it is, is anytime that you do something you don't like, you automatically, you excuse yourself to, you know, throw your fit or whatever it is that you want to do, you know, right. act out or, you know, what. And I don't want to hear, you know, Turn off the, you know, you turn off the radio, the preaching channel, whatever, you know, turn it off because you just want to be mad at that point. And that's what you're going to do. And you're going to act a jerk to the guy next to you, in front of you, and behind you because you already set your mind to that. Just reminding yourself that even during the times that, yeah, you're going through something you don't want to do, some frustrated, you just got to remember to have, represent the Lord, mm -hmm. even through those. I think and there's so much difficult, <clears throat> it's just things that you don't like to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're saying like being personal. <clears throat> purposeful. I, I think cultivating relationship with God is really not unlike cultiva cultivating relationship with anyone else. So how do you cultivate a relationship with your wife, right? Or your kids? You know, you have to talk with them. You have to spend time with them. You have to understand their interests, their hearts, their, their heart, their desire. And cultivating, cultivating relationship with God is the same way. And the reason why we want to continue to cultivate that relationship with the Lord is what Jesus is saying to the disciples here. No man can take this joy from you. That our joy is not ourselves, like just willing ourselves to be happy or willing ourselves not to be upset about a, a circumstance or a situation. Our joy is found in relationship with, with God. It's his presence that produces joy. So if we want the joy to be produced. It's the presence of God that we have to stay in. So Paul says it like this. He says, like, do not quench the spirit. So it's possible for you to mute the Holy Spirit speaking to you by re responding in the flesh with anger or whatever it might be. 
So no, you're no longer listening to the Spirit of God. You're just listening to your flesh or the world around you. And the joy that's produced by His Spirit in us is, is no longer being produced because we aren't listening to Him. So we aren't cultivating the relationship with God. So I th- to me, cultivating relationship with God is like, it's just the disciplines of the Christian life. So things like consistency in Bible reading, prayer, the faithfulness of going to church, hearing God's word preached, hearing God's word read, fellowshipping with God's people, finding good Christian accountability and making yourself accountable. This is the way that we cultivate relationship with God. And the reason why we have to do that is because none of us naturally drift toward God and good. We, we, if we're left to our own um, intention and desire, we drift away from God. We all go our own way. So you have to fight for holiness and righteousness and Christ-likeness. Those are the things that we have to, we have to make sure we're cultivating. That's what we have to make sure we're, we're, we're growing up in our lives because you, you don't accidentally get a field full of good fruit. You get a field full of good fruit because you harvested the field, you, you, know, you tilled up the ground, you planted the seed, you watered it, you protected it, and that's what brings up the good fruit. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. So we want that good fruit, but it requires us to, to put in the work and cultivate it. So keeping joy requires cultivating a relationship with God. But this is another one. Keeping joy in your life means surrounding yourself with positive influences. So Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So surrounding yourself with positive influences would certainly mean that we reduce negative influences in our life. So I don't want to surround myself with fools. I want to surround myself with wise people, spiritually mature individuals, so that if I want to surround myself with them, then I, the first step to that is rejecting foolish or spiritually immature people, which I think would certainly begin with certain people that we listen to on social media, TV, news, whatever way we're filling our mind with these um, negative influences. Not that it's all bad. It's certainly not all bad, but what's... What's true is that it needs to be filtered. That's what we're trying to, that's what we, we want to make sure we're saying. So we, we want to seek out the kind of relationships that they uplift us, they encourage us when it's necessary, they rebuke us. We want to surround ourselves with positive, with positive influences that help keep us on the paths of righteousness. So how do we do that? How do we surround ourselves with positive influences? Me and Sal were actually talking about this a little bit earlier today about how there's some people who just when you're around them, their joy and their desire to please God is just contagious. Mm-hmm. And it's just challenging, even though you're doing maybe a mundane task or just like it's it's something that you can feel their joy. It's contagious and it's something that, that encourages and also challenges you to do the same. Yeah, I think it comes first from just like a prioritization of these things. We had to realize that if my relationship with God is going to be the most important relationship in my life, then that necessitates that all the other relationships I have are filtered through, do they help or do they hurt my relationship with God? Mm -hmm. Because I think we think of them often as independent things. Like I enjoy this social media personality, even though the things that they say 
and the whole premise of their niche and their catch on social media is against God and it's not pleasing to the Lord, but we isolate that from our relationship with God. Yeah. If we have a view that every relationship we have is either affecting positively or affecting negatively our relationship with God, then it builds a filter for us about the other influences that we let in. A, a principle I heard taught on this when I was in high school was, let's say you're you're climbing a mountain and you get stuck halfway on the mountain. And there's somebody at the top of the mountain, they throw you a rope down and you grab the rope, right? And the negative influence would be that you grab the rope and the guy lets go of the rope from the top and you fall all the way to the ground, right? It pulls you away from the Lord. It allows gravity to take effect and the natural consequences of our life remove us from the top of the mountain where we're supposed to be. You could also catch the rope from the guy and he could pull you up, right? And that would be a positive. This is, this is someone who moves us toward God, toward good. They help us in that way. But what's also true is the guy could throw the rope. You could grab the rope, hold on to it, and the guy doesn't pull you up and he doesn't drop you either. You just stay right in the middle. But while you might not be falling to the ground, it's also not helping you get to the top. And this is what we're talking about, that if we want to make sure that we are not giving away our joy, then we want to make sure we're surrounding ourselves with people and influences and voices that certainly aren't causing us to fall to the bottom, right? We're not dropping into the canyon, but also that they're not just leaving us on the side of the mountain. They're pulling us to the top. They're influ- they're influencing our lives in that way, which I think sometimes what we are accustomed to thinking is that well, when you're a when you're a teenager, you really need to think about who influences you, and when you're an adult, you don't need to think about that. But that's not the message from the Bible. Mm. No, when you're an adult, you need to think about who influences you. And what influences you even in those moments as well. So if we're going to keep our joy and not give it away, cultivate relationship with God, surround yourself with positive influences. And you and I both know that there are all kinds of things and people and events and circumstances that just are not good for our spirit. And they do not move us toward the top of the mountain. So keeping our joy necessitates recognizing that and then staying away from it, having the courage to not walk with the ungodly, as Psalms chapter one would tell us. But there's a third thought here, and that is this, that we can choose our responses. How do we keep our joy? We choose our response. And I think, Sal, this is what you were talking about earlier, being purposeful. So I've I've heard it said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. So I don't know if that formula is exactly correct, but it's probably pretty close. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. So we want to we want to select our words and our tone very carefully. And we want to make sure that we're being purposeful in how we respond to a situation. And that we're responding to that situation that's in line with the word of God and that is in line with the spirit of God in our lives. So choosing our responses, which is hard because a lot of times in this life, we just, we're simply reacting. And that's the, that's the catch for us as Christians is we don't want to simply be reactive. We want to be responsive. So we don't want to just find ourselves just reacting to whatever is happening to us. And it's just 
our natural tendency or emotion or the first thought that kind of comes to our mind. We want to be responsive in saying, okay, here's what's happening now. Let me think about this situation biblically. Let me think about this situation in light of the word of God. So choose your responses. In choosing to be deliberate about your response, right? You, you do have to be accurate in the res- in the response, whatever the response is, right? However you respond back. And this is what knowledge, understanding, and wisdom appropriate for us as believers. So I'm, I'm assuming that the vast majority of our listeners go to church, have a relationship with God, have probably had that relationship with God for quite some time. And the reality is that most of our listeners have probably forgotten more Bible than most people in the world have ever even heard. Mm -hmm. And so when we say like, be deliberate in your response or choose how you're going to respond, don't just react. We're saying, slow down, listen, be thoughtful, ask for wisdom, and then choose the response from there. Not simply provides like an emotional reaction, a defensive reaction, an angry reaction to say, how how much of this response should, you know, how, how much of this response should I actually give to this, to this particular moment? And what should that response be? So, but I think, I think what you're saying is very correct. Like you can respond, but if you're responding from a limited understanding or place of knowledge, it's a problem. Which if we're talking about keeping your joy, I think even just pausing for a moment probably gets a lot of that. Uh, yeah. Like, like we were talking about early, just anger in that frustration you take those emotions out of it and give it a little time to cool off that probably helps a lot yeah the um the other one here about keeping your joy set healthy boundaries proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life so setting healthy boundary boundaries means learning to say no to certain activities learning to say no to certain relationships which constantly drain you that that um uh, that bring you down, that don't encourage you. So how do we keep our joy? This is a, this is an important one. Learning to say no to the appropriate thing that you ought to say no to. That you don't always have to say yes to everything. That there are some times in your life that you do need to take a pause, to take a break. There are some times where maybe a relationship is is getting too it's getting too personal. You're getting too close. So you do need that distance. And it's not wrong to recognize that. It's actually healthy to recognize that. And then the other healthy step is drawing a boundary that says, hey, we're going to take some space. We're going to take some time. And we're going to work on myself, try to grow closer to the Lord. So choosing to be deliberate and keep your joy requires setting healthy boundaries. I think it's important that when we do take those breaks, we're very cautious. I heard yesterday on another podcast a commercial for this new company that's making a uh, a healthy alternative to vaping. And they had a line, not that I'm here to defend the healthy alternative, but they had a line in the commercial that said, when you need something to go to, it's good to know that it won't hurt you. Like speaking, like you, you can use this product when you just need something, knowing that it won't hurt you. And I thought like our world is full of people who are just looking for something to go to when they need something. 
And there's really only one thing to go to that's never going to hurt you or pull you back, and that's your relationship with Jesus. So when we have those breaks, whether it's from another relationship, whether it's from the stress and demands that your life has, make sure that when you set that boundary and you realize things aren't healthy, that you go don't go to something else that's unhealthy. Yeah. It, it What you ought to do is go to go toward your relationship with God. Right. Right. So cultivating relationship with God, the presence of Jesus in his spirit is what produces joy. So where you recognize that there are certain things that are hindering you in that. So now you're drawing boundaries. So like in my mind, that would be like, okay, I'm going to take a break from social media for a while. That's, that's a boundary. You're just saying, I feel like there are some things on this, the social media page. I'm just using this as an example. There are some things on this social media page and I can't, I can't find a way to just mute the negative and increase the positive from it. It's not helping me in my relationship with the Lord. So I'm going to draw a boundary and I'm going to stay away from this for a while until I can get closer in my relationship with God strong enough in my spiritual maturity that I can restart this, you know, whatever, perusing whatever social media page. So setting healthy bound that's what I mean by setting healthy boundaries. Setting healthy boundaries in the sense of there are some times in with relationship that maybe it's not even a bad relationship. It's just something that's taking all of your energy, it's taking all of your effort, and it isn't moving you to God and good. It's dragging you away. Mm. So f- for me as an example, Amanda, early on in pastoring, Amanda said, Dave, you're not allowed to check your emails after six o'clock at night. Because I was getting these emails that were like, you know, I'm mad about this and I'm mad about that and I'm mad about this. And so I'm at work all day. I come home, you know, hang out with the kids, eat dinner. I'd go sit on the couch and I'd open up my emails to see. Don't act like you could look at emails from the couch back then. (laughs) You were walking over to firing up the old Microsoft. Look at my emails and I'd go like, oh, here's this email from this person. And now it's pulling me down in my spirit. So here's a boundary that's drawn. The boundary is I'm not going to check emails after six o'clock at night because that's stealing my time with, with my family. It's hindering my joy, my spirit. It's keeping me up late at night. I'm worried and frustrated when I can deal with that tomorrow morning when I get to the office. So this is what I mean by healthy boundaries, setting healthy boundaries in your life where you're saying, look, I want to protect my joy. And I don't want to give it away. So I'm not talking about just ignoring every email that you ever get. That's not what we're saying. We're saying protecting things so that you can cultivate the relationship with God that he has given to you in these particular areas. Here's the next one. Do something. Do something. Joy is found in the presence of God, but it's also found in realizing that God has made you to accomplish something in this life. And when we see ourselves accomplish something, we complete a task, we do the list, we finish the project, then what that produces in us is not just a sense of success because we achieved something. That's, that's, that's a worldly understanding of joy. It's a sense of fulfillment in knowing that we accomplished something for which we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit and for which we were made. God put us on this earth to do work. And just 
typically, whenever you're doing the work that God made you to do, you feel more joyful mm. because you're doing what God made you to do. It's it's lazy people who are grumpy people. Yeah. It's it's people who don't they have no sense of purpose, they have no sense of meaning, they have no sense of accomplishment that are cantankerous or angry or disgruntled. Typically, if you recognize, hey, God made me for a purpose. He's given me gifts, he's filled me with the spirit, and he's giving me this job right in front of me, whatever it is. Right. And I'm setting myself to the task. It's those people who get home at night. Are they tired? Yes. But they're fulfilled. And they're fulfilled because they've actually done something. This is this is the world that we are living in. We li- and and that listen, the irony is not lost on me when this comment, okay? But we live in a world where people talk more than they do. And I get it. This is a podcast and we're talking, okay? I understand that. But we live in a world that is increasingly built on talk and who can talk the most or post the most about what we do not find fulfillment in talking. We find fulfillment in doing. And this is where you recognize. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about a worldly sense of accomplishment, right? Because there's lots of guys who ignore their families. They don't, they aren't a good dad to their kids, they let their, their, their home life is a wreck, but they got all the promotions at the office. So they're doing a whole bunch, but their life is falling apart. So I'm not talking about a worldly sense of accomplishment. I'm talking about a spiritual and biblical sense of accomplishment that you are doing what God has created you to do. Don't talk about it. Be about it. <laughs> and also, uh, you reminded me, my dad used to always say the uh, angriest lines are the lines at the welfare office. <laughs> yes. No, it's true. Uh, even when I go to work and I have a slow day, I just find myself more frustrated. Yeah. Just because I didn't feel like I had a good day, you know. Based on accomplishment. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, my wife and kids are asking me. Elizabeth usually knows. Elizabeth is very smart, so she'll be like, he had a rough day. <laughs> oh, how was your day? But then it's like, you got the other kids. How was your day? Great. Yeah. <laughs> like, the best day ever. <laughs> But you got to also be able to pull from those days something joyful out of it. You know, yeah, I didn't have a full day of work, but the Lord's still blessed because we didn't go without work. It was slower, but we didn't go without. We had a successful day. There was no accidents. No, there's other things you can't pull from there that are positive. Yeah. And I think that comes from like a healthy sense of what accomplishment is, right? Because if the only thing that you, you tell yourself, the only thing I can accomplish today is to get a lot of work done to make a lot of money then the days that you don't do that, you didn't accomplish anything. But if you set yourself that today I can accomplish a good job at work, I can accomplish investment into my wife and children, I can accomplish investment into my relationship with the Lord, then even when the work fails, you can still accomplish those other things. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the more more broad and complete your, your view of accomplishment is, the easier it is to feel as though you accomplished in a day. I know you mentioned it's not just from a humanistic standpoint, it's more of a spiritual thing, but that uh, that little booklet that made its rounds, I don't know if you heard of it, it's called Make Your Bed by like a Nate, former yeah. Navy SEAL, yeah. and he said the whole point of it is, you know, to start your day off with an accomplishment. Yeah. And even though, again, he's writing from a humanistic standpoint, he kind of tapped into uh, a spiritual truth that, you know, we were created for work. And yes. We were created to accomplish things, and when we don't do that, there is 
there is something missing in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the other one I'd say here is keeping your joy. Learn how to serve others. Learn how to serve others. That when our eyes are on ourselves, we, we tend to be irritable. We tend to be grumpy. We tend to be angry because we're only concerned about ourselves. And typically we find joy by putting our eyes ultimately on, on God. But what's also true is that the more we look at God, the more we see what God is looking at and God is looking at others. And he cares about the people in this world. And if we love him, we're going we're gonna to love what he loves. He loves people. And our natural response will be to love the people in and around our lives. So learn how to serve others in, in every or any kind of capacity. So it doesn't matter to me if you're a 15-year-old listening to the podcast or if you're 55 years old. Like, we, we, none of us grow past serving. This is the standard of leadership in the Bible. The standard of leadership in the Bible is not how many people serve you, but how many people do you serve? And when we're growing in Christ-likeness, Christ came not to be ministered unto, but to be a minister and then ultimately give his life a ransom for many. Of course, that verse goes on to say, but we're learning to serve others in our life. Serve your parents, serve your siblings. Oh, that's like death right there. But serve, serve your siblings, your teachers, your coaches, your classmates, um, the people on the team. Learn how to look out for their good and learn how Hey, how can I be a blessing to them? How can I help them? And when you do that, just typically, this produces joy in you because this is the way in which, of course, God himself is. Just like everything that God tells us to do, it's backwards from the world's mentality. Yeah. That if you want a better life, stop investing in making your own life good. Yeah. Like, because the way to invest in a good life is to invest into the lives of others. It's backwards from the way the world thinks. It's backwards from the way... We naturally think, but it's what God commands us to do. The uh, last one that I'll give you here, how to keep your joy, seek support. And this is what I mean by that. Don't hesitate to reach out to a friend, to a family member, to a spiritual leader. Don't hesitate to ask for help. Nothing good happens in isolation. What, when the good things happen in our life, they happen inside of relationship ultimately relationship with God. Mm. But we are relational beings. We're made in the image of God in this way. And God has given to us family, friends, spiritual leaders, a church family, for which when we're struggling in our life, their role, the, the primary job that they were given to us is not to, not to just fill every need that we think we might have, but their, their role is to help us along in this journey that, that the Lord has given us in this life. So do not be afraid to ask for help. If you're struggling with joy, you're discouraged, you're depressed, you're frustrated, you're angry at whatever particular circumstances or situation you find yourself in, find a spiritual leader and ask for help. Do not be too big to ask for help because all of us need it at times. Mm. And you may be in a different place than I am. You may struggle with something different than I struggle with, but the reality is we all struggle. We're all just journeying in this life. 
even the Apostle Paul, right, who you might could argue as just New Testament Christianity is understood, like, is, is the standard to me. Even he says, hey, there were some people who I want to come see me because I needed some encouragement. Send me John Mark. It's profitable. Bring Timothy to me. It's helpful. You know, and he's naming all of these people who he has relationship with because they're encouraging to him in that relationship. There are, there are times in our lives where we just need help. We don't necessarily need someone who has all the answers. We just need somebody there that'll listen as we navigate through whatever circumstance that we're facing. I will I will say this as well, and that is the ultimate relationship is God. Cultivating relationship with him is primary. But as you grow closer to him, what you'll realize is that he has given to you and to me individuals in our lives who their their assignment is to love one another, to help us in this life. So do not negate that. Now, don't don't overemphasize it and think, oh, well, the counselor knows more than God. Of course not. But we want a counselor who's going to move us in the direction of God. They're going to teach us the word of God. They're going to help us draw close in our relationship with God. So do not be afraid to ask for help. Certain personalities are more resistant to that. That's that's me. Like, I find the times in my life where I don't want to ask for help or think that I don't need to is probably when I should the most. And maybe that's not you. Some people find it very easy, but it's tough for me. But you have to know yourself to know that if you're really resistant to asking for counsel or advice in a situation, then you that's probably when you need to make yourself go ask for it the most. Yeah. I think it falls under like instructions for us men. You know, we feel like we don't need instructions. No, we got it. That's what we think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like build the bookshelf. I got it. I, <laughs> I need help with joint. I got it. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah it's just. Well, I think there's a there's a balance in just telling everybody everything, mm-hmm. right? And being whiny and just telling everybody everything. And anytime you have a problem, you're just going to complain, basically. There's a balance between telling everybody everything and telling nobody anything. And what tends to happen is we tend to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just going to be whiny and I'm just going to air my dirty laundry out to everybody. My wife did this and this and this, and I don't like that. And I don't like that. Right. And we're just, or we just bottle it all up and we just, we don't tell anybody anything. And now we're internally working through all of this, which typically isn't good. Mm. So we want to strike the balance and we don't want to tell everybody everything, but we got to tell somebody something. And the somebody we should tell ultimately is the Lord. And then second, it's the people who the Lord has given us in our lives, which if you're, Living in your home with your mom and dad, that's your parents. That's ultimately where it begins. Then pastors, spiritual leaders, finding these kind of godly people who can speak truth into your life. And the truth that we need to hear is not cultural or worldly, but ultimately the word of God. That's those are, that's what we're saying. Seek help from those kind of people and don't be too prideful to ask for help. Don't be whiny. But don't be too prideful that you can't find somebody to ask for help. Well, we, we thank you for listening today. And uh, we hope that the lesson and the conversation was encouraging to you. Evan's going to give us our, uh, our instructions here at the end. We want to make sure that you are up to date on how to like, subscribe, comment, and give us any of that information back. 
we want to hear from you. So, Evan? Yeah, if you're a new listener, we'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Uh, are we on iHeartRadio? I think so. iHeartRadio. You can cut all that if we're not. Wherever you're listening, leave us a review, however many stars you think we're worthy of, which is obviously five, but uh, we'll leave that up to you. Um, please give us a follow on Instagram at Faith by Hearing Podcast, on Twitter at FBH underscore podcast. And of course, all those inboxes are open for your comments, for your topic suggestions for our next episode, as well as for any feedback you'd have from this episode. Send us a riddle to uh, Derek's riddle box at Gmail. <laughs> Send your riddle in to faithbyhearing at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And that is all. Sal, thanks for uh, sitting in with us today. My pleasure. And this episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, whose new AG1 product has 75 vitamins, minerals, and superfoods for your daily health. Athletic Greens haven't given us anything, so they're not getting that shout out. No, don't do that. I just wanted to say that. We'll bleep their name and all their benefits. Nate, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by beep, 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 beep. That could be your sponsor right there. I just want you to know, you just reach out to Evan. That could be your company right at the end of that announcement. Should we start right as doing he's driving that? his John Deere. Bro, I'm going to say this. If Page you want to advertise with Faith by Hearing Podcast, say it. Now is the time to get in. Because I was looking at how much advertisers pay per listeners. And most podcasts, advertisers, they don't negotiate from their initial contract. So what that means right now, you can get in based on how many listeners we have now. And then when we pop off and we're doing two, three million a week, you still have that great price. So just consider that. Consider that. Think about it. All right.